play and stay on Washington State's Kitsap Peninsula, the natural side of the Puget Sound. Stand up paddleboarding, hiking, great restaurants and breweries. I'll tell you more about your next vacation destination later in the show. I'm Rachel Bell, and this is Your Last Meal, the show where celebrities share stories about the foods they love most, and then we dig into the history, culture, and science of those meals with experts from around the world. Today on the program, Eden Grinchpan, host of Top Chef Canada and author of one of my favorite cookbooks, Eating Out Loud. I love the pistachio cardamom coffee cake. Eden cooks contemporary Middle Eastern food and has a lifelong obsession with tahini. I put it everywhere um, and the love runs deep. Most people use tahini for hummus, but there are so many other things you can do with it. We will discuss that along with the history of tahini with the CEO and co-founder of Sum Foods, makers of delicious tahini. All of that coming up, but first, my conversation with Eden Grinchpan. My first introduction to Eden was on Instagram. At the time, Eden was very pregnant with her first daughter. And my first exposure to her was a photograph of her posing on her couch in sweatpants with her bare, bulging, pregnant belly covered in giant slices of New York pizza. Meanwhile, she was biting into a slice of pepperoni with a blissful expression on her face. We were watching, I think it was the Oscars, and my husband and I ordered a pizza, as we do all the time. It's like, you know, our, our go-to. And we just thought it was hilarious. I started stacking it on my pregnant body. Like, I really, like, if you look at this picture, my pillow's <laughs> falling apart. I look totally disheveled. But, like, we stacked pizza all over my, like, big pregnant belly, posted it, put my phone away. We're watching the Oscars. And then um, next thing you know, I'm like, why do I have like 30,000 likes on this picture? It went totally viral. That was like such an interesting experience because I've never had anything like that happen. It was my last trimester and the first trimester and the last trimester are like really, really hard. And so we took the opportunity to just like, you know, have fun and like, you know, have a good laugh and focus on something else other than like my aching body. Everything was on my pregnant body. And it was like such a great time. What were some of the others? I remember burgers and fries. It was Shake Shack. It was a total Shake Shack feast on my body. My personal favorite was spaghetti and meatballs without a plate. It was directly on my belly. And I was just eating pasta off of my pregnant belly. <laughs> I look back, we're such clowns. Like, I love it. My husband and I are like total goofballs. And, you know, just to like be able to have something like that to do together and like laugh about and connect with so many people over. It was it was great. Eden grew up in Toronto, and after she graduated from high school, she didn't really want to go to college. I was a bit of a troublemaker in high school, and it was just not my thing. Like, socially, it was great. I, I had a lot of friends. I loved my teachers. Sitting and, like, actually paying attention to, like, a class was really hard for me. And I fell in love with food, and actually, it came through Food Network in grade 10, I discovered it and it became a full-blown obsession. And this was before, like, I'm pretty sure it was me and like mostly like women in their fifties watching <laughs> it at that time. So I would just watch hours and hours of it. And, and it really inspired me to get into the kitchen and 
I started off baking and it just like made me so happy creating food for my family that like they loved and they, they asked for, and then I started cooking. And when it came time to apply for university, I had like a pretty like honest conversation with my parents. And my dad was actually the one that suggested culinary school. Um, and he's like, why don't you go to Le Cordon Bleu in London? And I'm like, what's Le Cordon Bleu? He gave me all the ideas. I feel very, very fortunate and, and obviously lucky that my parents are so supportive and um, very creative. I looked into the course and I enrolled and I got my grand diploma in pastry and cuisine. And I lived in London for two years. While I was going to school, I was working in kitchens part-time. I was also traveling through Europe with my friends. And when I uh, graduated from culinary school, I actually, I didn't want to just like jump into cooking. What actually excited me the most was learning about different cultures through the food that I would eat in the different countries I was visiting. So I ended up actually enrolling in a course called Leap Now, which took me on a three-month trip to India. I uh, spent a lot of time in Delhi, in Rishikesh, in Dharamsala. I lived in the Dalai Lama's temple in Dharamsala, and I would have like butter tea with like seven monks every day for lunch. Like it was... I'm not even exaggerating the most amazing and life-changing experience. I ended up moving to Israel. I'm half Israeli after my trip there. And I, I was working in kitchens and then I ended up going back to India and I spent almost like seven, eight months there just traveling and also volunteering in an orphanage um, in Rishikesh. This orphanage had this cafe that was donated to them but it wasn't being run. And I'm obviously like, I just graduated culinary school. I'm like, I can open and run a restaurant for you. No <laughs> big deal. I got this. So I ended up reopening their cafe for them. I think I was 20. My parents had this like brilliant idea and they were like, why don't you film that? Eventually that video Um, was cut into like a little like sizzle. And I got it into the hands of the agency that I now work with, which is WME. But there is more to that story. By this time, Eden was living in New York City. And there's this article in the Times about this agent. I'm sure you obviously heard of John Rosen. He represents all of the really big uh, food talent um, in television, Rachel Ray, Bobby Flay there was an address. And again, my parents are obviously a huge part of this. I was talking to my mom one day, I was working at baby cakes and um, she's like, why don't you take your tape to that agent? And I was like, mom, I can't just walk in and give them (laughs) my tape. And she's like, okay. But she like planted the seed. And I was like, well, why can't I just walk in and, and bring them the tape? So I ended up going to WME and walking into the lobby, obviously without an appointment. And I was like, I'm here to see John Rosen. And they're like, who are you? I'm like, my name's Eden. Obviously they didn't let me in because my name wasn't on the list. So I ended up delivering my resume and that video to their like mailroom, which is like in a big garage. And like two weeks later, an agent, Josh Bider calls me and like tells me to come in. And that's 
basically how everything started. That's incredible. I should have followed your path because when I was in high school, I wanted to be on Saturday Night Live. And in my little address book, like I had the address for, you know, 30 Rock. And I was like, I'm going to send all my videos to Adam Sandler. I should have flown (laughs) to New York from California, walked in and dropped it off. I wouldn't be where I am today. I would be rich and famous. Um, first of all, you are clearly doing incredibly well for yourself. Okay. Okay. And second of all, I do believe there is something about like going in there and like showing face. I always feel like I'm stronger, like in front of someone, like I need to like hold their hands. I need to look them in the eyes. I need to like see them and like talk and like connect. So you know, if you're hungry and you believe that you can do it, just like kind of going for it. It's very satisfying when obviously it pays off. (laughs) And it did. Eden hosted a couple shows for the Cooking Channel. And in 2017, she became the host of Top Chef Canada. All right, it is time for a break. But when we come back, three things that Eden Grinch fan and I have in common and the history of one of humankind's oldest condiments. Just a ferry ride away from Seattle is the Kitsap Peninsula, a land of gorgeous forests, sparkling water for kayaking and stand-up paddleboarding, and adorable seaside towns with locally-owned boutiques and family-owned restaurants. I have done so many day trips to the Kitsap Peninsula, wine tasting on Bainbridge Island, a girl's trip to Paul's Bow, ice cream and architecture in Port Gamble, watching the seals play from the beach in Port Orchard, and I still haven't seen it all. If you're like me and like off-the-beaten-path places where the locals vacation, you are going to love the Kitsap Peninsula. And this month, we're talking about Bremerton and Silverdale. So Bremerton is known as a naval town, and there are museums if you're into the big ships. But the restaurant scene has been really growing over the past several years. Grab a bowl of clam chowder or homemade lumpia at Bremerton's veteran-owned Axe and Arrow. And visit a land and gardens to see meticulously trimmed bonsai and a tree that has been around since 300 BC. Plan your visit. Go to visitkitsap.com slash meal. You can also find a link in the show notes. Play and stay on the Kitsap Peninsula, the natural side of the Puget Sound. So we have a few things in common. Number one, we both have Israeli dads. Oh, yes. shalom. <laughs> shalom. <laughs> I grew up going there every summer and I have such like a strong connection to um, the country and culture. And I cook contemporary Middle Eastern food. So I get most of, if not all of my um, inspiration from there and my time there. Sorry. That's okay. I like that you have an old school ring still. Is that old school? It makes me think of it like something that would happen in, what is that movie called? You've got mail. (laughs) Oh oh my God. Is it like (laughs) when they turn on like the Google? Yes. Like the AOL sound. Like the internet. Part of being part Israeli is loving tahini, which is something we both have in common. Can you talk about your love for tahini? Where do you put it? Where don't you put it? I put it everywhere. Um, And the love runs deep. So I have a cookbook came out uh, September 2020 called Eating Out Loud, uh, Contemporary Middle Eastern Food. And basically I have like a like a letter, like a love letter to tahini. It's just like this gorgeous condiment that can be 
flavored in so many different ways and used on so many different dishes. And I find that it just adds so much, like it takes a dish from being great to being like excellent very quickly. And I have a hard time finding an excuse not to use it. You know, there's like green tahini with different like herbs like parsley and chives um or you can have like a turmeric tahini you can have a beet tahini you can have just like regular garlicky tahini you can use the raw tahini paste um which i like to smear on toast with like honey and cinnamon or like silan which is like this beautiful date syrup um or just drizzled on like vanilla ice cream it adds such a richness such a nutty flavor and and really it's like I'm good friends with Mike Solomonov and I'll, I'll never forget when um, we cooked together for the first time, he called tahini, like the Israeli, like mother sauce. And I was like, yes, yeah, yes. It is. His hummus recipe from Zahav is the only one that I will make. That is yeah, the one. Amazing. But yeah, it's like, it, it, like it just, it runs deep. Tell me about your love for tahini. Okay. If you've been listening to Your Last Meal for a while, chances are you have already heard me wax on and on and on about tahini, about my lifelong journey to finally figuring out how to make the perfect hummus, my pronunciation opinions of hummus versus hummus, and how I get Harbracha tahini shipped to my house by the case from Israel. One place that I have spoken about this is on the Rain Wilson episode from 2019. So if you haven't heard me wax on and on about tahini and hummus, you can go back to that episode. I linked it in the show notes. But Eden didn't know my story. So I told her my long tahini tale ending with my grand discovery. The key to excellent hummus is using excellent tahini and no two brands taste alike. Even though chickpeas are very important, it is so much about the tahina tahini and it adds like such a velvety creamy texture to the hummus i could not agree more with that like it is really about the quality of the tahini and when you read american recipes for hummus they're like put two tablespoons and i'm like i'm like pouring and pouring and pouring it's so 100%. good yeah when i was a kid growing up in the 80s Tahini was mostly only available at Middle Eastern stores. But since it's become popularized by chefs like Yotam Otolenghi and Mike Solomonov, you can buy it everywhere. And tahini just might be one of the world's oldest condiments. Tahini goes back to its source of sesame seeds, and the history of sesame seeds is really compelling. It goes back to nearly 5,000 BC. That's Amy Zeidelman, co-founder and CEO of Soom Foods. Soom was started a decade ago by Amy and her two sisters. Your parents must be so happy. They're quelling. Their tahini is made in Israel, but sold in the United States. Sesame was first cultivated in India. It was traded for medicinal and ritual purposes. I think that's one of the ways that it got into the Middle East was through that spice trade route, pounding it into a paste has been recorded also for thousands of years across the Middle East and North Africa. What I love is that there's additional, you know, uh, story and folklore around tahini, like Assyrian gods drank a sesame wine when they created the world. And so, you know, that alludes to press sesame seeds into tahini. Like I mentioned earlier, every brand of tahini tastes different. But the reason that's interesting is because tahini is a single ingredient. It is just sesame seeds, 
ground into a paste. Good tahini is just ground sesame seeds, no added oil, no salt in there either. And so the quality of that sesame seed and where that sesame seed grows, like coffee or wine, has a huge impact on the outcome of the product of, of tahini itself. What makes for a good sesame seed? Where's the best from? Because, you know, I've tried so many brands and they taste so different, even though, like we just said, it's just made from sesame seeds. Yeah, well, sesame seeds grow in lots of regions of the world, but the best sesame seeds grow in the, you know, in the African horn. So we were introduced to high quality tahini um, in Israel. In Israel and across the Middle East, they really appreciate the sesame seeds that are growing in Ethiopia. Uh, Ethiopia has amazing terroir also for coffee, of course. Tahini manufacturers across the Middle East really appreciate the Ethiopian cultivation of a seed called Humera seed. And that seed is coveted because of its natural ratio of oil to the rest of what we call the sesame meat, and also because of its unique, almost nutty flavor profile. So it's a lot less bitter than other tahinis that are cultivated from sesame seeds from other regions. Most people use it to make hummus. Maybe, you know, I'll make like a tahini dressing and drizzle it on roasted vegetables or a salad or a bowl or something. What are some things that people might not think about that you could use tahini in? Yeah, it's a great question. If you think about tahini as a fat, so as a substitute for oil or butter in savory and sweet recipes, that's really where you can incorporate tahini into almost everything. And so some of my favorite ways to use it, drizzling tahini on Greek yogurt with honey, um, thinking it as a substitute for nut butters. I love to make it, uh, chocolate chip cookies with tahini instead of some of the butter. One of my staples in the house right now are banana muffins. And instead of vegetable oil, using tahini in the recipe. And one of the things that incorporating tahini into those kinds of recipes is you're able to add all the benefits of sesame, right? Protein, calcium, iron, so many vitamins and minerals. The list really does go on and on. One of our top rated recipes on sumfoods.com is actually a tahini miso ramen soup. Yeah, now I'm trying to think of like everything I add fat to and how I could put tahini into it. Because then for some people too, it makes it vegan if you need that. Yeah, that's a great point. Tahini makes it creamy without adding the cream. And so, for instance, in my family, we keep kosher. And so our mom really doesn't make soups with dairy in it. We are able to make a butternut squash soup or even a mushroom soup creamier with tahini as opposed to adding dairy in it. Amy says most people buying tahini still only use it to make hummus, but it is her personal mission to expand your tahini repertoire so you'll start drizzling it into brownie batter or over vanilla ice cream, partly because it's delicious and partly because so many people have half-full jars of tahini slowly dying in the back of their refrigerators. Tahini that has been sitting there since the last time you made a batch of hummus because you just don't know what to do with it. It's funny, Rachel, when you talk about hummus versus hummus and even saying the word tahini, right? Because in Arabic and in Hebrew, we call it tahina, of course. And when we started Zoom, we wanted to call it tahina. That's how we know it. But when we brought it to the States and I was introducing people, our first jars actually said tahina on them. And I would say, are you familiar with tahina? And most Mm. people would say no. And I would describe that it's a paste made from 100% sesame seeds. And the first question back from people was always, is that like tahini? And I realized then that, you know, we really need to Uh meet consumers 
where they are. And the truth is that actually Greek cuisine is what brought tahini to the States far before Israeli and Middle Eastern cuisine. And so the Greeks pronounce it tahini. And so Americans were first introduced to the ingredient as tahini. And that is why we are, you know, embracing that recognition and calling it tahini as opposed to tahina. Amy may have succumbed to calling it tahini, but I will never stop saying hummus. Okay, so back to what Eden and I have in common. We both have Israeli dads. We are both lovers of tahini. And, ooh, okay, here's the third thing we have in common. You like eating in bed. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Who doesn't? So many people. What? Yeah. That's what I'm most relaxed. (laughs) I know. When I am relaxed in bed and I'm like, I don't know, uh, watching TV, watching a movie, like on the phone, I absolutely love a good nosh. And that's something I've just done my whole life. So yeah, I I stand by that. I don't mind a crumb in my bed. Yeah, you just shake the covers out. Exactly. My trashy method is putting down like a whole bath towel on top of me. Oh my God, me me. too! Yeah. Me too. Just throw like a bath towel over the bed and you're fine. All right, let me set the scene for you. Is there anything more perfect than this tableau? A cold night, the end of a very busy week. I'm so tired. Getting into bed with the bath towel, an entire pot of Kraft mac and cheese, There is a TV show that I've been wanting to watch but haven't had time to. And then at the foot of the bed, my gorgeous black kitty cat, Papissimo. And if you're one of those people who doesn't eat in bed because you're afraid of crumbs, Kraft Mac and Cheese doesn't have a single crumb. Okay, time for a break. But when we return, Eden Grinchman reveals her last meal and we do a fun speed round. listening to your last meal, you might like watching my new TV show, The Nosh with Rachel Bell. We just wrapped up season one, so there are four tasty episodes ready for you to binge at CascadePBS.org. In episode one, I convince an East Coast skeptic that Seattle now has fantastic bagels. And in the season finale, we go truffle hunting just about an hour outside of Seattle. Episodes are a quick bite just eight and a half minutes long. So grab a snack and cozy up with the nosh. Available anytime, anywhere at CascadePBS.org or find a link in the show notes. Okay, the big question, what would your last meal be? Oh, Oh my God, this is tough. The worst uh, question. What would my last meal be? <sighs> well, my husband and I have like a pizza thing. We've always had a pizza thing. Like it's always kind of like our go-to. It would probably be like a big pepperoni pizza and like a really cold beer. I just want to like eat and drink and feel like I'm really getting everything that I want. Also, or like ribs. I don't know why I'm thinking of baby back ribs right now. I'm like, do I need some baby back ribs? (laughs) 
Yeah. And, and with a beer, I, you know, there's always going to be some form of like alcohol. I get a beverage with my like last meal for sure. Well, you lived in New York for many years. So what's your favorite pizza place? Oh, that's a good question. So I really love Scar's Pizza. I think they do a fantastic job. Defara, like honestly, one of like legendary delicious pies. I also really like I've gone to Roberta's for years, you know, like I feel like that was always like a classic kind of go to for me. Listen, I am all about like grabbing a slice at Joe's and like, just like going about my day. Like I will take it all. I love a New York slice. Like I love New York pizza. For me, that is the pizza. It always wins. Have you been able to find good pizza in Toronto? Um, you know, it's really tough. Like I've lived in New York for 13 years. My husband's lived in New York for 16 years. You get very spoiled living in New York because you have access to like the best of the best, especially when it comes to pizza. Um, There's one spot in Toronto, it's called North of Brooklyn. They've done a good job. I really like that spot. But again, there's something about just like being in New York, grabbing a slice. You can't really compare. I'm so loyal to my New York slice. I know, I know. For me, pizza, like obviously it's a meal, but like it can also be an afternoon snack. It can also be like, instead of a coffee day, you go for a slice. It's in any time of the day kind of a a food. So I always find a way to weave it in, even if I'm booked up for all my meals. You know what I mean? Yes. Oh God, I can like taste it right now. Like I've been to three of the four places that you just said, and I'm like, oh God, I want to go. It's so good. What's your favorite? I really love Prince Street Pizza for the grandma slice with like a billion of the little hot tub pepperonis. That's what I call them, the little curled up ones. I actually had that two days ago. Oh, you did? I will wait in that line. I don't care. (laughs) The pepperoni is just so good. It's so good and there's so many of them. It's a commitment because I'm always filthy when I, once I'm done. Like <laughs> the grease on that slice, it just manages to get all over yeah. my face and all over my top. <laughs> I like need a bath when I finish with that slice. You have to put a bath towel around your body before you eat it. That wouldn't be the first time. I think we should just travel with bath towels. Yeah. And cut a little hole. It'll be like when you get your hair cut, you'll have the cape. Love it. Pizza cape. Done. What would be your dream beer for your last meal to have with your pizza? I'm not like a fancy IPA drinker. I'm very much like, I love a lager. I love something that's just like crisp, fresh. I don't know. Like I'm happy with a Stella. I just want it to be cold. That's it. It just needs to be cold and preferably on like a nice warm day so that it's refreshing and it just like goes well with the pie, you know? For her last meal, Eden wants a big New York pepperoni pizza and an ice cold beer. Okay, I'm going to give you a little speed round now. Besides Top Chef Canada, what is your favorite food show? Wow. Uh, I have always and forever will be just like the biggest Jamie Oliver fan. I love Mm. him. I think he is just so good at what he does. He makes everything really seem effortless and he's entertaining and so talented and lovable. So probably anything that he does. And I love that he says things like knob of butter. He is the ultimate like television chef. What is your perfect ideal birthday cake? I am a really big cheesecake lover. And my mom makes an Austrian style baked cheesecake 
she got the recipe from a friend years ago and she makes it for us. And that's basically all I ever want. So I would definitely say my mom's baked cheesecake. I think the thing that I want to make most in your book is that Israeli cheesecake. That cheesecake is delicious. It's like creamy, yet a little tangy from the sour cream. And you have all the graham cracker, like just like scattered everywhere. It's it's really good. What is your favorite thing to put tahini on? Mm, mm. I'm a really big vegetable lover. I basically use it as like my secret to making every vegetable dish. I throw a ton of vegetables into the oven and I cover it with a really beautiful, creamy, garlicky tahini sauce and you're good to go. Also eggs, like on shakshuka. I love Mm. garlicky tahini on a shakshuka. What is one ingredient that you've been into that a lot of people don't use yet, but you hope that they discover? Because like, for example, when we were kids, like nobody knew about tahini. Now you can get it at Trader Joe's. Everybody knows tahini now. Yeah, I would say dry lime. You get them in a lot of Persian dishes, dry black lime. It's got this gorgeous sour flavor and it adds such like a brightness to everything you put it on. Um, And it's perfect in soups and stews. And I just absolutely love it. And that was Eden Grinchpan's last meal. Watch Eden on Top Chef Canada and find a link to her cookbook in the show notes. Thanks to Amy Zeidelman, co-founder and CEO of Soom Foods. Treat yourself to some delicious tahini. You can find a link to Soom in the show notes. Your Last Meal is a Slide Down the Dinosaur production. This episode was produced by me, theme music by Prom Queen. Make sure you're following along on Instagram. I'm Hello Rachel Bell. And thank you so much to all of you who have followed the newsletter. I have a new newsletter. It's what I will use to alert you to new episodes, but also events, giveaways. For example, I did a cookbook giveaway for the last episode, and only folks who are following along will be eligible to win. You can subscribe at rachelbell.substack.com, or of course, find a link in the show notes. I'm Rachel Bell, and this is Your Last Meal. Hello. Oh, hi. I'm always like, what's it like to not tell everyone everything and to be quiet? Oh, no, I don't know. I wouldn't know. No. My husband's like, I've never met anyone that like talks as much as you do. And I'm like, (laughs) well, to be honest, he actually talks fucking more than me.